Chapter 2 of Ruffles and Danny, or The Responsibility of Ruffles, by Marjorie Watson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 2 A heavy fog had been pouring in all day. A fine, drizzly, cold rain swept up the shore road before the wind, and everything was wet and dejected out of doors. The festoons of moss hanging to the scrubby pines dripped and dripped. Everywhere along the road the houses, dotted here and there, were closed, with shutters up, save one. This fine old homestead of Georgian architecture, with a fresh coat of white paint and green blinds, defied the weather. Do your best, it seemed to say. You cannot dampen my spirits. For many years I have protected and cherished the love and cheer within. Always my doors swing open to welcome those who desire entrance, and those capable of appreciating my hospitality, and always they shall find light and warmth in plenty. Straight from the door to the beautiful old gate, with its colonial posts, stretched a wide gravel path which would soon be bordered with flowers. Strangers always pause a moment before this house, and wonder— for it is not a Cape Cod type. In the large square living room, if any one room in this house can be so distinguished from another, for each and every room inspires a desire to live in it, was a blazing log fire over which, on an old iron crane, hung a plump tea kettle busily singing and steaming. Mrs. Frost rose from her cosy rocker, laid down her knitting, and crossed to the window, with a stately dignity characteristic of all her movements. She was thinking that the captain was gone longer than usual. Oh, she said aloud, it's the swallows come back for the summer. Her serene and beautiful face kindled with joy as she waved her fine white handkerchief to the captain, who was opening the barn door to let the birds into their summer residence. For several years now the same pair of swallows returned to build up a loft in the old barn, and if the barn door did not happen to be open when they arrived, they made a great fuss, swooping around and around, occasionally striking the windows of the house, until the attention of someone within was gained, and their admittance accomplished. And yet, thought the dear lady, there are people who would deny that they have reason. Turning again toward the fire, she addressed two huge cats, who, stretching and yawning, emerged from their warm bed in the wood basket. Do you realize, boys, that our peaceful season is nearly at an end? and soon the invasion of summer visitors will commence, and the old shore road will be alive with joyful feet? Poor Puck, your troubles will begin. She stooped to stroke the soft gray fur. Puck rose on his hind legs to meet her hand halfway, thus anticipating the caress, and came down on his forepaws like a bucking bronco. A vigorous cat was Puck. You don't approve of invasions, old Pucky dear, but Peter Pan now. The other cat solemnly winked one eye. He thinks it's fun. The more children the better, hey, Peter? At the opening of the door, both cats, with tails erect, trotted to meet the captain as he entered, his face all aglow. 
Captain Frost was a very large man, hale and hearty, with weather-bronzed skin and keen gray eyes. Ah, mother, you saw our little friend's return, and that means we'll soon be in the swim, laughed the captain, as he thought how soon the deserted beach would be spotted with people who come for the sake of the fine sea bathing, where the water is so warm it's a joy to young and old. I'll just warm up a bit and then be off to the post office. We should get a letter from Mary tonight, don't you think? asked the captain, stretching out his great length in the big-winged chair opposite Mother's rocker, to warm his feet by the blaze. Oh, yes, I feel quite sure we'll hear tonight. Dear girl, how we miss her! But it wouldn't do for her to stay in this quiet place without an occasional break into a livelier pace than that we have studied down to. The gentle lady smiled across at her sixty-year-old lover, and set the waves of her soft hair to rippling with a deprecating shake of the head. "'Just so,' acquiesced the captain. "'But it's a pretty good place to come back to, hey, mother?' It was with pardonable pride that he glanced at the white wainscoted walls, the soft colouring of the Turkish rugs and oriental draperies which had been picked up on his various voyages of the past, and the fine old mahogany furniture. We think so, don't we, Peter? He said, gently stroking the brindled cat, which had jumped to his knee. The ball of yarn on which Puck had had his eye for some time, as it bobbed enticingly about in Mother's lap, whenever the clicking needles required more material, dropped to the floor. Puck was on it like a flash, batting it hither and yon like a veritable spirit incarnate. Cat and ball flashed in and out among the table legs and chair legs. He curvetted and leaped, his tail arched, his eyes flashing green lights, dropping suddenly ever and anon on top of the ball and kicking vigorously with his hind legs. Laughing and scolding, the captain joined in the game, attempting to rescue the yarn, and Peter was not slow in increasing the confusion, but fortunately Puck resented the interference and gave chase to his brother. Off they bounded through the hall, up the stairs, head to tail, making as much noise as a couple of young colts. The captain, his sides shaking with laughter, commenced to follow up the trail of the yarn, winding as he went. We didn't make any mistake, mother, when we named those cats. I think Puck would make a good try at putting a girdle around about the earth in forty minutes, hey? And do you recollect the day we found Peter, when he was a tiny little ball of fur, playing with his own shadow, and how we all said he must be called Peter Pan? There, I don't know what you're knitting, mother, but I guess it'll all come out in the wash. And he laid the ball, rather soiled and scrubby-looking, in her lap. Now I'm off for the mail, having warmed up considerable. Do turn your collar up, William, and don't get gossiping with Saul Turner and stay too long, for tea will be all ready and waiting by the time you get back. The captain stooped his burly figure and kissed the shining white hair. Mrs. Frost blushed like a young girl, for just at that moment Eunice Pease poked her head in from the dining room. "'Oh, Lor, excuse me, I thought the captain had gone.' Her retreat was somewhat hasty and agitated. "'Well, ain't they the beatenest?' she said with a grin, her back to the door. 
anybody'd think they was just a courtin' instead of being father and mother to a gal old enough to be called a bachelor maid, whatever that is. Eunice put a hand up to cool her own hot cheek and went back to the kitchen. End of chapter 2